This podcast contains swear words. Hello, and welcome to Talking Shit with Tara Cheyenne, a podcast about art making, creativity, not giving up, and living well in the process, or as well as we can manage. Although I'm coming from the perspective of a performing artist, the themes and issues discussed here apply to all of us. Whether you consider yourself an artist or not, life is a creative act. I'm your host, Tara Cheyenne Friedenberg, a choreographer, actor, dancer, writer, and educator living on the unceded, stolen, ancestral territories of the Musqueam, Tsleil-Waututh, and Squamish people here on the west coast of so-called Canada. Before I dive into today's interview, I just want to remind you to please share and rate, review. Word of mouth really works well. I don't know if you've heard talking to people. If you have the means to make a little donation, it helps a lot. It helps us stay advertisement free and give our guests a little honorarium, pay for our producer, editor, and all that good stuff. You can go to top right-hand corner of our website, www.terrashyan.com. Click donate, go right there, easy peasy, or we will put the link in the show notes. Before I dive into today's interview with the fabulous Julimia Sparrow, more about her in a moment, I just want to drop some ideas into your uh, proverbial pond about creative habits. I'm recording this in August and thinking about September and getting started on projects and how I'm going to organize things. And in conversation with some of my wonderful other colleagues in the dance and theater world, the idea of how do we stay healthy as artists and when do we feel the most alive, that has come up a lot in conversation. And I've noticed definitely as I've become older and a parent and just busier managing my company and doing all the admin shit and all the emails and yada, yada, which of course is super necessary. I've gotten away from just moving as much as I want to move, as much as I feel kind of that my set point of moving. So I just want to kind of get you thinking about what's your set point in terms of when do you feel the most kind of activated alive? For me, I need to be moving like three hours a day minimum, and that doesn't happen that often. So I know, okay, how do I put that in? How do I dance more? How do I move more? Also being social. And of course, in these pandemic times, hopefully we're seeing the end of the horrible tunnel. There hasn't been a lot of social or it's been digital. And I know for myself, I just like really become alive when I can interact when there's that feedback loop of real communication and seeing people in real life where we, the whole animal self can perceive the whole animal self of the other person. And you don't have your brain, excuse me while I geek out, trying to read signals off a screen, which are almost impossible for your animal brain to do. So that's what I'm thinking about. And so the next step for me is, okay, how do I build that in? How do I prioritize those creative habits? 
of moving and interacting. So something for you to think about maybe as you plan your fall, when can things fit into your schedule? For me, it's like, okay, can I move more in terms of commuting? Can I walk everywhere instead of driving? Um, Can I make sure to, when I have studio time, can I also you know, have somebody else come in at least for part of the time. So I'm not in there by myself. Those of you who work solo stuff or or writers, uh, solo practice know how difficult it can be to be alone all the time. If you're writing, maybe you know that after 45 minutes, I have to phone a friend. Would you like to phone a friend? Anyway, think on those and let me know how you do. Please be in touch Instagram, Tara Cheyenne, TCP, Facebook, Tara Cheyenne Performance, or just email me, info at tarashyan.com. And now my interview with Quilemia Sparrow. Quilemia is a Musqueam artist, actor, playwright, activist, film star, wonderful, hilarious human being with so many inspiring ideas. I think you're really going to enjoy this interview. I know I did, and I can't wait to talk with her again. So, Quilemia Sparrow, thank you for being here on Talking Shit with Tara Cheyenne, and it really is just talking shit. So, you've probably been asked this question many times, probably recently. What have you been doing for the last 18 months? How has it been? Holy shit. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Let's talk some shit. This is great. Uh, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. You know that I adore you. Oh God. Likewise. So let's make this happen. Yay. Um, So what have I been doing for the past? Oh my God. So I feel like even like a little guilty saying this out loud, but I have been having the best time, the time of my life. The pandemic hit and something shifted in such a big way. And um, although I'm quite busy again, I, I had time to reflect, to kind of look at everything I'd been doing. I'd been so busy jumping from one thing to the next. And I experienced complete and utter relief. Oh, I was so relieved. <laughs> like the emails weren't coming in. The pressure was lifted, and so I had to ask myself some pretty big questions about the ways that I had set up my life. Yeah. Yeah. Almost every interview or even conversation I have with another female-identifying artist, I'm sorry to say, but oh, holy shit, when everything got canceled. (gasps) Oh, thank God. Thank God, yeah. Really, like, reevaluating, like, how we how we work and live. And I, I'm, I, I don't know about you, but it's this idea that you separate life and work. And that is so bananas <laughs> because I am alive when I'm at work, actually. Yes. Yeah, it's so bananas. And for sure, there's this compartmentalization that begins to happen. And then for me, you know, I just realized there are just huge chunks of my life that were non-existent you know, started like going back to therapy during the pandemic. And like, she gave me this little pie where you get to see like, if you actually like are living a balanced life. And it was like, Ooh. no, I really haven't been living a balanced life at all. You know, like friends, relationships, 
you know, obviously, you know, career and spirituality and, you know, all of this balance that I really didn't have. So I've been branching out. (laughs) I've been actually paying attention to some of the things that I wasn't paying attention to before. How is that looking for you? Because Skyborne happened kind of right before the pandemic. Yeah. Your wonderful, fabulous show, which please tell me it's going to come back. (laughs) I'm hoping at some point because, you know, I mean, you know, you know how it is. Like it really wasn't the show that I had fully imagined in my mind's eye. So at some point I would like to sort of like revisit it. It was such a massive piece as well too. So we just didn't get to a lot of the things that we wanted to get to. So at some point I'll come back and, and revisit it and sort of like fill in the missing pieces. But yeah, that was massive. Yeah. So I was just coming up with that. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, and I think that had a lot to do with it too because that piece was so huge. I would have needed a break anyways, you know? Right. Yeah. And then like, how did the unfolding of things change as you kind of looked at that pie chart and realized, wow, there's all these other slices? <laughs> well, a bunch of things even that happened in Skyborne as well, too, like really close friendships that I really wasn't connecting to it in the way that I wanted to. Reevaluating that and realizing that like, you know, when I get really busy, I get really like zoned in and focused. And it's like, it's like I can't even let anything else in, you know? And so I'm recognizing that and going, hey, that's not that's not a healthy way of being in the world, you know. Um, relationships with my friends are so, so profound and so beautiful now and so honest in a way that they really haven't been before, you know. And I'm just so grateful for that. And my connections with other women. I have like a, like a witch coven group a little bit that I... <laughs> do like, we, we do like new moon and full moon connections. I won't say we do like rituals or anything like that, but we like, you know, sometimes it's just meeting and having a glass of wine on the full moon. And it's like, just being able to like track that Mm -hmm. has been incredible. Like, oh, here we are. This is what you were going through in the last full moon, or this is, you know, on the connection and like how, how in my friend's lives I am now because of that because we're kind of like going through this whole thing together and like analyzing things together and talking through things together and, you know, marking it. Yeah. Yeah. Marking it and acknowledging it. Yes. Right. Totally. I feel like it's fantastic feminist subversive acts and, yes. you know, you talk about the moon and you're talking about like cycles and earth and everything, <laughs> everything. Yeah. And the fact we have been like kind of brainwashed into not stopping to acknowledge or to just like be with and just and being with other women. And that's beautiful. I wrote it down. I'm going to start doing that. Yeah. It's been fabulous. Like in the difference between like one o'clock on Saturday to like, this is what we were doing the last new moon. Yeah. And you really begin to feel it like three new moons ago. This is where you were at, you know, like wild. It's just a different way of being in the world. I love it. Have you noticed any patterns like for yourself or anything with that tracking? Oh God, yeah. I bet. Yes. Yeah, I mean, for me personally, just like connecting to that for sure, just understanding the power of all of that, you know, and it's just like so innate in us. And if we actually take a minute 
to just feel the power of all of that, it, it can like show us so much. Oh yeah. Yeah. So profound. Um, oh, I kind of lost my train of thought because I was lost in your beautiful eyes for a moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, it's interesting because I was just in this really amazing land-based practice workshop with Lindsay Delarond. Fantastic. She's amazing. But I've been really thinking about land-based practice and making art in all the ways with that marking of the power of where we are and how we are here. And it sounds like that's been part of your experience in this last 18 months and finding like your rhythm and your relationships and yeah, I really was denying my rhythm. And even even in processes like Skyborn, where we were attempting to, you know, decolonize the process, it was still very colonial. And like, of course, that's to be expected that we're all decolonizing ourselves in our own personal ways, in our own time and unraveling unraveling it individually in collective, right? So that's actually, that's a lot, you know? And for somebody to say like, oh, I've decolonized my process. I'm like, really? (laughs) Fully? Completely? (laughs) Are you sure? (laughs) (laughs) There's going to be a lot of residue. Yes. It's a lot of residue. There's a lot of residue that comes up for everybody, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, for sure, I've been attempting that for for so many years, especially around the land-based work as well, too, because for me, all of my work is is centered around um, place names. I'm from Vancouver, the land itself, what that means, you know, the stories of the land, the Shui Ams, but also like that means our ancient histories. But I just had a meeting with the language department the other day and I'm like very fearful that I've been saying that wrong the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) She said it and I was like, I think I've been saying that word differently. So I'm going to have to have another little lesson around all of that. Uh, But uh, yeah, like there are ancient histories and it's been a process for me of unraveling it all. And, and, and like, um, how do I say this? Like, like taking away the desire of like rushing the process too much. Because I, what, what's been happening for me is that I land in a certain place name for a while. Because it takes a while to fully, you know, immerse and figure out the stories and say things properly and actually feel the story of that particular place. So you're not just like rushing to another place name, right? Uh-huh. There is this like colonial urgency. People are like, what's this? What's the name of this place? What's this? What's that? I, I got to learn it all. <laughs> Like now, but then there's this internal rhythm where I land in a place and I'm there for a while and, 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 and the other place name shows itself to me. Ah, uh, yeah. And, and then, and then all of a sudden I realize I'm like, oh, we're moving on. We're, we're in another place name, you know? And then I stay there for a little while. Like, I'm trying to release this like colonial pressure of having to be perfect and getting it all done right away, you know? Um, because the part of it is like, it's a very personal journey for myself too, to connect to these places. And, and it's super healing for me, you know, as a Mothquiam woman to spend time in these places and not rush the teachings. Oh, yeah. I feel like time 
is a, such a big, important rhythm that everything about making theater, for me, making dance, the funding bodies, the blah, 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 is so just like you said, like that rushing, like um, before the pandemic, I kind of felt like somebody was like literally like pushing me through my life and I was just trying to grab as much as I could or the things or grab the people <laughs> like, please come with me. Totally. Uh, a friend of mine up north keeps saying like, it'll just take all the time. Yeah. And every time she says that, I'm like, I can feel my blood pressure go down. Oh, <laughs> oh, it's just going to take all the time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm hearing like your practice and the place names, the rhythm is transforming. That's amazing. Yeah. So your creative practice is like everything in a state of transformation. Yeah, totally. And even like transparency. Well, I mean, I've always tried to be super transparent about it. You know, like I'm a Scorpio. One of my main values is authenticity. <laughs> you know, it's always been one of like my number one main values. But like, you know, you know, ever like especially non-Indigenous folk that like really wants so much of this information now and they want the teachings and I get it. You know, there's this like just incredible pull to connect to indigenous peoples and to do the right thing right now. But there's also this pressure to show up and deliver. Mm -hmm. And as I'm organizing more things, like being the protocol keeper for the Transform Cabaret Festival, I see it in others that have been doing the same work as me, right? So I'm inviting other folks from other nations that do land acknowledgements. Um, They're knowledge keepers, cultural carriers, varying degrees of like culture and language uh, sharing. But this reclamation or revitalization is a process as well too. And, and I've been saying to everyone like, hey, it's okay to be really transparent about this. And it's actually really helpful to be transparent so that non-Indigenous folk can really understand like our languages were stolen from us. Like I have to have like month-long meetings with the language department in order to say five sentences. Like it's a whole process. It's just not me standing up and like, you know, speaking Spanish, you know, like speaking another language. It's a huge revitalization process. And so, and then all of a sudden you have like a camera in your face and you have to like, you know, show up and represent and have all this responsibility. And I've been seeing it on the faces of others, you know, as we go and we film this and have to pull them aside and be like, hey, if you flub up your language or your hunkaminum or your halkamalum, just say, hey, we're all in the process of learning this. You know, say it again, you know, like let's not pretend that um, it's anything different, you know? Yeah. And there's something so like as a white lady settler, the vulnerability. And I always feel like the vulnerability that we share just invites more vulnerability and authenticity, as you say, and a relaxation that allows, allows everything. Yeah. I mean, I see, I see their shoulders relax. I see, I I mean, and they've got their papers and they're trying, they've had their conversations with their language people. Right. (laughs) And they've got their notes and they're trying to you know, we're doing take after take. And then I say, Hey, you know, like it's okay. And their shoulders relax. And then all of a sudden, you know how it is too. As soon as you give yourself permission, then all of a sudden it begins to flow out. Right. A hundred percent. Yeah. A hundred percent. 
so I feel like things, this is how I feel like I, I'm still, things are starting to pick up again. So I am really busy again. So I'm trying to navigate so that I don't get back to that place. And how, how can we still kind of like go from one thing to the next, but be like totally centered and there and do it in a different way? You know what I mean? Because also I was thinking about this as well, too. There's a difference between like this, like this capitalism busyness where we have to like rush, rush, rush in order to have like the car and the house and the things. But there's actually a real busyness to the type of work that we do that I believe is a calling. Like I got shit to do. Oh, yeah. I don't have time to waste on the earth right now. (laughs) (laughs) No, this is limited engagement. Yeah. (laughs) It's a limited engagement. And there's, there's this other thing that we actually don't have all the time in the world. We're all going to die and we're only here for a short time. So, and I think those of us that have a calling, like we feel that urgency, you know? So how can those two things like be at the same time? Yeah. That's a really important intersection of like, this really needs to be done. And you feel like that calling and you feel like everything going like, come on. And then also I feel like I don't ever want to be as busy as I was when the pandemic came down. Yeah. I realized, you know, that, uh, you know, when you get off like a train or an airplane and your body feels like really weird for a little while because you finally stopped, (laughs) that went on for months. I was like, oh, wow. That was... Yeah. So I'm not that I'm expecting you to give me the answer, but give me the answer. Um, (laughs) of navigating like those two like very real priorities. Well, you know, it's so funny, like, cause I told you I'm seeing someone right now too. And like, she's like, she's like a talk therapist. It's very like tapping into my spiritual side and she's an energy healer. And like, even saying those things out loud and stuff too, I feel like I've been like, sort of like a closeted spiritual person for so long. And like, even in the arts community, I, I, I find that like theater folk are like hardworking, very practical people actually. And to like, you know, say that you're spiritual and that you are doing energy work and things like that. I, I always felt a little bit like closed off about that. But um, so that side of me has been really expanding, you know, where I'm just like, like, hell yeah, I have transmissions. And like when I write, I feel like those are like, uh, you know, like downloads that are coming to me. They're, that's like, I don't think I'm writing. Like mm-hmm. ancestors are speaking to me. So anyway, that I see this um, gal and I'm so grateful that I am. And she really is like assisting me in those realms as well too. Like being like, you know, you're a public speaker. Like, how do you disconnect from all of that? How do you, you you know, you take on all of this energy after you public speak, like people's thoughts, ideas, projections, and just having an awareness around that. Like I've never taken care of my whole system in that way before, Uh you know, and she's teaching me how to do that, you know, and it's just made me stronger. But even then I, I, we were doing one session And like, I had a vision and my vision was like, I need an assistant. (laughs) Oh shit. Yeah. It wasn't woo woo. It wasn't like anything (laughs) like that. It was like, like that's the ancestors are telling me like, hello, you need some help. You know, like 
So it's like constantly this like practical and spirit realm in my life right now. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. When I saw that you had, and Jessica's amazing too. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, you're a genius. <laughs> to give yourself the help, the time, the support. Yeah, the support. But I thought it was really funny that it came to me during like a, <laughs> during an energy session. Yeah. I was told I needed an assistant. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, thank you. Thank you for that information. Got it. (laughs) Got it. Super clear. I like it. It's very... Super clear. I like it. I can do that. That's an action item. Total action item. It's a spiritual action item. Yeah. I totally agree. Just that kind of secularness of pragmatic, rational, all those words, which I I feel like they're kind of misogynist too. Yeah. And colonial and patriarch, all those yucky words. And so the idea that actual like spirituality and being present with the energy mm-hmm. is actually like super complex and does not rule out the very real to-dos that will help you. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally. So good. It's so good. <laughs> so well, I mean, you're one of the funniest people I know. When we did Lysistrata, there were times I had to avert my gaze because I was going to start snorting um, <laughs> during rehearsal. <laughs> I did the choreography and Julemio uh, played many very hilarious parts. Um, I want to talk to you about like the role of humor. So the role of humor in your work, the role of humor just like in your life as a, as a woman, as an indigenous woman, as a creator, like how does that weave into your work and who you are? Well, I want more of that. So let it be known that this is an announcement to the world that Polonia Sparrow loves humor. Yes. Yes. Cause it, it's just like, I love that place so much. Yeah, I really do. And, um, and I feel like, Gosh, it's like, as Indigenous folk, we're like, we're so funny as a culture, you know, we're so based in humor. So it's not like I haven't had opportunities in Indigenous work to, to play funny, you know, but, you know, there, for so long, like, there's just been like trauma-based work as well too, right? And so it's just like, I just feel like, the past couple of years of being able to come out of that space. And, you know, like, sure, it was like necessary, heavy lifting, necessary work at the time, but we're coming into a place now that, that is more of a space of like thriving and embodying joy. And there's a time and place for everything in this like healing uh, journey cycle, whatever you want to call it. Right. And so it's just like, I just like want the humor so yeah. badly. And then even at, I'm doing a movie in the summertime, small part, and there's just like a little moment in, the, in that too, where she's the mom's kind of funny. And it's just being able to do that and connect with the director over that as well too. And then being seen in that way, like the director is like, <laughs> nice, you're so funny. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yay. <laughs> You know, just to be able to be seen. Yes. In a different light other than just like, I don't want people to just see like all the pain that we've, we've been going through all the time as well too, you know? Absolutely. And? And? There's more. 
right? I mean, as a a person of Jewish ancestry, I feel like it's medicine. It's so necessary for me. Like it walks right up against all the difficulties. Yes. Yeah. There's just kind of like this bubbling. And do you feel like as a very smart person and somebody who's very subversive, do you feel like you're not given permission to be to be funny or that you would just like that to be more of your palette? Absolutely. I feel like it's like an inner circle that knows this funny side. Like even in the theater community, like there's certain people in the theater community, I think that know that, or I don't know, maybe that's just like my own imagination around that. But yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's a really good question. Yeah, it's one I've been thinking about. I'm working on a piece about gender yeah. uh, and my own experience with gender. And um, just like, hmm, is there a restriction in as female identifying folks, like how funny we can be? Yeah. And still be taken seriously and still talk about like super difficult things. Yeah. But with, but with that humor, because it is like their humor to me is like, it's like their little doors. It opens all these little doors. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a very good question. It's a very good question because it, because (laughs) yes. Because, because I am very serious at the same time, right? As well, too, because there's just like, there is so much responsibility. There is so much of that. But even in like my complex relationship with my dad, he is like recovering um, residential school survivor who's an alcoholic, like the humor that him and I have between each other in this like very like, you know, complex, heavy life of a situation that's relationship that we have together. There's, there's so much humor and love and ease in that. And like you said too, like, you know, you sharing in Jewish experience around that as well too. Like it's our way. It's like, it's like become like so much more than a coping mechanism, right? It's just the way that our, our culture is. Yeah. It's like these little threads of connection. Yeah. And you, you find and what works and it's sometimes it's humor and sometimes it's silently being together. And yeah, it's so powerful. It made me think of that. I don't know who said this, you know, comedy is dead serious. Yeah. Comedy is dead serious and it's also full bodied. Oh, That's what I'm thinking as well. And you said that too, like you being full bodied and like as a mover and a creator with your body Like, I think that's actually was so satisfying about it for me as well, too, when I get to do it, because I feel like it's coming out of my whole body, you know, and it's not like compartmentalized, like the humor is like full bodied. Oh, I love that. I'm going to quote you. Can I quote you? Yeah. (laughs) Because it's true. Like when you're just talking, it's like this, um, you know, like the rational and the intellectual, it does like, we have this idea that it happens like in the head. Yeah. Whereas comedy, uh, humor, it does, it like comes from like places you don't even know. And there's that sense of surprise. Yeah. That is like, oh. And I mean, I think of too, like just a bunch of women laughing their asses off. That is like the most glorious sound and vision in the world, really. Yeah, it really is. And it's just like, you know, like indigenous women, like that's what we're known for. We just sit around and laugh. It comes out of every single body part. Which actually brings me to another thing as well, too, which I've been exploring, but like I want to explore way, way, way 
way more is that right now I'm taking a, a sex coaching course. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I feel like it really connects to this as well too. Like this, like this, like it allowing ourselves to be full bodied, mm-hmm. you know, like allowing, you know, like even, you know, you and I have connected over the, over yoga as well too. I used to yeah. teach yoga when I decided I was going to quit theater for a while. I was like, God damn it. <laughs> oh yeah. I'm over the, what am I I'm doing? done with you. We're breaking up. We're breaking up. I know what I'll do. I'll become a yoga teacher. And uh, <laughs> even then, you know, now, now that I'm like deep in these practices or attempting to be, because I still uh, am working with it and struggle with resistance around it. But um, yeah, it's like you just realize that when, you know, you've been doing your yoga all these years, it just goes to a certain part, right? Yeah, and it's totally. like, oh, oh, ignore this little area here. Exactly. It doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> never mind. Never mind. That part, everything else you're supposed to connect to, right? And breathe through and do all these things, but just ignore this, like your vulva, just ignore it completely, you know? And so it's like, now that I'm like doing these practices, I'm like, oh my God, this is like, I finally feel like I'm doing an actual practice that allows me to be fully completely in my body and not ignore these parts that we're like, that are shame based, that we're ashamed of, that we like suppress, you know, that aren't even allowed to be parts of these like spiritual. I mean, obviously there is, there's like Tantra and, you know, yeah, but like, you know, mostly also like the repression and suppression around all of that stuff is so huge, right? You're totally right. It's so huge. Just what you said, like how absurd to feel all these parts of your body. Oh, except for this one. Yes. Except for that one. Yeah, you don't have them. No, we don't do that. We're not yeah. talking about that. And just, and, and strap your boobs in so tight yeah. that for sure they don't move. Don't We don't want to see those move. Yeah, we don't want to see them move. And also we don't want to see too much cleavage either as well. Like that might be a problem or yeah, you know. Totally. There's no sensation in these areas either, right? A good genius friend of mine. She, young, young and so wise. It's like, She's like, it's self-care. It's self-care. Like, she's just so clear. And as like an old lady, like, oh, wow. Of course it is. Of course. Being in your whole body and experiencing your whole body sexually, sensually is absolutely, it's self-care. It's nature. It really is. And I'm working with the resistance around that as well, too. Because there's been like a couple of exercises that have happened where I've been like, oh my God, I'm channeling the whole universe through my vulva. Wow. <laughs> but like, and then I'm like, uh, and then I don't do another exercise for like three weeks. You know? Interesting, hey? That like the power. Right. And that connection. I mean, I'll just speak personally for myself, but like, obviously when you, when you, you know, we go through a society where we're so suppressed in those ways, and then we begin to open that all up and start to unravel that and be in it. Um, I'm like, I'm like, whoop, okay, time out. That was really good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good for, I'm good for, I'm good for a while. Thanks. <laughs> Oh my God. It makes me think like, if we all, all right, everybody, we're all going to do it because it's like the seismic, like literal energetic, like 
would all the volcanoes erupt all at once? Exactly. Right? Yes. <laughs> all the female power that's been suppressed for so long. Yeah. You know, because they know it will change. We'll just take over and we'll yeah. just do things properly. God. Right? Yeah. So I've been playing around with that, playing around with myself. Also, nice. it's like all like, like you said too, it's self-care. Yeah. Self-care, self-pleasure all through the pandemic. <laughs> What's the lady I've been doing? <laughs> Essential work. She's just been self-pleasuring herself during the pandemic. <laughs> yes, no sourdough starter and kombucha. No, no we're going straight, straight to the important parts. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. I have many more questions, but I'll just okay. I'll keep it as concise as I can because we'll just have to do this again. So is there something like you talked about your place name work? Is there, is there something on the burner right now? Something that you're making right now? Yes. Yes. That you want to share? Yeah. Uh, yeah, there is. Like I'm in the process of finishing uh, Women of Papiak, which I'm really excited about. Um, that's been in the making for quite some time. And, uh, I feel like, you know, how it is because of so many other things, it just kept being pushed to the back burner and, um, also working on a version of it, like audio segments that can kind of supplement it uh, through the arts club right now too, as well. So I'm kind of excited about that because what's happened with that whole project, Papiak, it's now known as Brockton Point. There's just so much history there. It was like a whole mixed race community. So we're talking like like a Spanish novel full of like all sorts of characters. And you know what I mean? Like that's the situation we're talking about. Like generations and generations of people. Um, And so it's like, you know, my play focuses on women, three women uh, in Shuapapiak, but there's like a multitude of people that, that I've been researching that are in my computer that have been for years. And so this, uh, arts club project is an opportunity to dive into these little segments, you know, like let's dive into this person's little world and go and, um, explore all these other characters that, you know, aren't in the play. Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. So has, and that, has, has that been like a pandemic? project? Yeah, that's been one of the pandemic projects is, yeah, for sure. And I'm doing a commission with New World right now too. Yes. So that's a bit more like sci-fi because I'm, I'm actually a really big uh, sci-fi nerd. And so, um, you know, when Chelsea Haberlin and I worked on the pipeline project, she found that out about me. And then she reached out to me and she was like, about this sci-fi stuff that you mm-hmm. like. <laughs> Do you want to write a play? Um, so I'm working on that right now, but that one's still like fresh. Yeah. So I wouldn't even be able to like say what that one's about right now, but that's exciting. And then, you know, other than that, what's been really cool about the pandemic, there's a bunch of other things too, like dramaturging for CZ theater for the cool moms. Oh yeah. So cool. Yeah. A decolonizing sex project that will be ongoing, um, that might turn into a book. And then because of the pandemic, you know, I went back into film and TV because our whole industry shut down. So, you know, my focus was like writing, consulting, all those sorts of things. 
And then you're getting back into film and TV. And, you know, like I left film and TV because, because I found myself sort of playing a lot of the same characters, you know, and stereotypes around indigeneity and yeah. um, just like you can imagine, you name it, like from like this like weird, like why are they making me sound, talk like a cave person to like this weird stoic thing to all the way into like the, you know, the prostitutes and the drug addicts. And I was just like, I just don't feel represented in this space at all. So, you know, it really just even confirmed even more my love for theater and being able to have my own voice, do different parts, you know, like, you know, actually, you know, be in Stratford in a, you know, a Greek play if I want to be, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, thank, great, like, grateful for all of that. But, you know, film and TV just never got that. Or it was rare. And when you did, it was like, oh, fantastic. Like, not saying that it didn't exist. Wow. But um, so long story short, I just feel like things have finally started to shift. You know, the whole world is shifting. And along with that is, like, the voices and story. Like, we're, we're having a lot more stories, like, written by Indigenous people, for Indigenous people, and then also the non-Indigenous stuff as well. And also opening up to like, you know, a couple of characters where like, oh my God, it doesn't matter what what I am. I'm just a human being. (laughs) (laughs) I've waited like 20 years to play a human being. That's a fantastic quote. I've waited 20 years to play a human being. Yeah. And it's finally happening. So I, I'm really excited about that. So I've just had a lot of fun, like auditioning and going into that world. And I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. More film and TV. That's fantastic to hear. Yeah. Yeah. I know a lot of people have been like yeah. going back because that's what there was. Are there more uh, like women directing and writing? Yeah. It, so- it sounds like there. I see the names and I get really excited. It's really exciting. I'm working with this uh, young director, a female woman, uh, and she's just like so amazing. I'm inspired by her and blown away by her whole process. She has this amazing transparent process. We're all, all on Miro boards together and having meetings and about characters and like so transparent about like her ideas and her shot list. And like, we haven't even started, you know, we haven't even like officially started yet or like asking us if like me and my son went on this like fake, fake outing as like mother and son the other day. I was like, Oh, it's like a theater exercise. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. So Yeah. You know, uh, she's fantastic. So that's, yeah, it's totally what it feels like. So I feel good. I feel good. I'm like, oh God, about time. Shit, yeah. But I, I want some of this change as well too. I feel like I've been pushing a boulder up a hill for a long time. Oh. So I'm like, please. <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. I was just telling uh, a friend what like, I, I did film and TV like a hundred years ago. and even though like I'm full on a character actor, I kept being sent out as a body double. Oh. Because I was a skinny little dancer. Oh, okay. And, and I, I was just like, if I get cast as somebody's ass one more time, and of course it <laughs> happened and I was like, I'm out. 
I'm out. And scene. You wanted to be a human being too. <laughs> I, I did. I wanted to be more than a dancer ass. Yeah. Ay, ay, ay. Amazing. Um, okay. I've got like one more. Okay. I ask everybody this. Um, and you've already given us like so many fantastic things like the, the moon and vulva and all the things. But um, <laughs> is there something, and it can be really, like really simple, practical that you're doing these days that is just like really helping or um, inspiring your, your life as a creative person, whether it's like your actual creative work or just like being anything like drinking lemon water or like writing more inning pages or anything. You mean to assist in my process or? Yeah. Or just like something that you've, that you've been doing that is just like, oh, I'd, I'd offer this to, to other folks as a, a potentially a really useful thing. Oh gosh. That's a really hard question. I know. You know, I was also doing a bit of teaching over the pandemic as well too. I was teaching playwriting at Studio 58 for a while. Ooh. I mean, even the stuff that I was saying to the students, I was like, note to self, like, <laughs> follow your own. <laughs> oh, follow your own advice. Follow your own teaching, your own advice, right? It's very hard. And like, really, this is going to sound like so basic, but for me, it really is just like setting aside the time to do it. Like, you just have to do it. <clears throat> you just have to show up. That, that for me, it's like showing up. Because, you know, if I put so much behind it, like, you know, even me, like, listing off projects to you right now, I try not to even think about it. Because if I think about it, it's too much, right? It's too much. Like, I got to do this. I got to do that. They start to turn into tasks, you know? And if you're an act, this is how we make our living as, like, working artists. Like, the last thing you want to do is for these things to turn into, like, tasks and for you to look at them like they're work. You know, so I just show up, I create the space, mm -hmm. and I just show up. So it's like no pressure what happens in that space, but I have this like little space carved out and then I show up and then I leave. Amazing. And then I come back again, you know? It's simple, but yeah, it's so hard to follow our own advice, but yeah, it's super potent because you get out of the like, well, I have to make something good or I have to do it like this yeah. and just creating that space, whatever it is to simply show up and whatever happens, happens. Yeah, I have to have a next draft or whatever. And it's like, no, you've carved out the time and the space. So you just show up and see what happens. Like, I feel like we don't need to muscle things so much either, right? You make the space and you show up. And I kept telling my students that all the time too. Like, if you just write for 20 minutes a day, you will make something. It's as simple as that, right? It is. Make it so much more complicated than it needs to be. Oh God. Right? Complicate everything. Right. <laughs> I, mean, I know I do. Oh, I do a hundred percent. I've been making dances for a long time. <laughs> no. My my friend, she's like, well, just like her task to me is improvise to three songs you like, yeah. video it, and then go back and pick five moves. Yeah. Like I was like, that is so simple. She's like, Yeah, and that's how you make dances. Get on with it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, but my idea has to be sound and I have to have a theme and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Right for 20 minutes. Yeah. Yes, exactly. You know, and I'll, I always get like advice as well too. Like I've been training a lot more and like talking about having like balance. So I'm like mm -hmm. weightlifting right now. Oh, love it. Yes. But my weight 
weightlifting trainer, he wants to write. Oh, <laughs> he God. wants to become a writer. <laughs> and it's fantastic. So every once in a while, we'll do these like little tidbits and sharing information and finding this like connection between like weightlifting and writing, Ooh. you know, and which he'll do for me as well too. He's like, yeah, it's just like, he's got an, you know, he's Hungarian. He's fantastic. He's like, yeah, if you just, you know, show up and, you know, have the discipline to show up and you do it, it'll happen. He's like, just like the writing, right? I'm like, yes. Oh, I love he's it. Like, he's like, I wrote about the weather today. I'm like, great. That's all you got to do is show up and write about anything. That's a short film too, right there. Like you and the Hungarian weightlifting instructor <laughs> yeah. writing. Just saying, just saying. <laughs> you know, I'll end up dramaturging his, um, his weightlifting book. <laughs> Right? Oh. Being an editor. Amazing. Yeah. I'd buy that book. Okay. Oh, thank you so much. That was like thank so you. fun. We'll put like links to all your projects and everything that, that is online. Some of the references to some of the other projects that you're involved with in our show notes. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah. Thank you. That was fun. And that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much, Hulemia, for spending such a delightful hour with me talking such important shit. You can get in touch with us, Instagram, TerraCheyenneTCP, Facebook, Performance, email info at TerraCheyenne.com. And if you do once again have the means to donate. It really does help. We are a charitable organization and we have no advertisers. You can go to top right-hand corner of our website, terrashyan.com, click donate or links in the show notes and we'll link to Hualemia's bio projects in those show notes. Talking Shit with Tara Cheyenne is a project of Tara Cheyenne Performance, produced, edited, with original music by Mark Stewart. You can get a hold of Mark at markstewartmusic.com. Thanks so much again for listening. Plan those creative habits. We'll see you next time. This podcast is effing good.